we get to explore some more about the signs of God in everyday life. How about that? We have God doing amazing things to communicate, to reach people all around the globe. And he has been doing this since the beginning. And it is a remarkable thing to observe. So, you've seen uh, movies or read books where a king, a queen, a general speaks a word. And those listening jump to and Pharaoh says something and so let it be written, so let it be done. And there's all these movements that happen at someone's communication. Somebody, somebody is just giving a word and things begin to happen. But when we back up to the very beginning, when this was all made, it was God, the sovereign, creative, powerful God who spoke and he said, uh, let there be light. And there's light. Molecules, atoms, energy, forces move. And they fall into place at a word. God speaks a word and things happen. He does that six times in the first chapter of Genesis. And we see the fundamental changes that happened as a result of what he did. Because he spoke he spoke a word. Then in chapter 2, we have the first first of his communications as he's speaking to Adam. And he tells him what he's about to begin to do in the garden and what his role will be. And there's a communication to a person that he has just made from the dirt. So, think about that. There's no... Training. He didn't go to speech therapy. He didn't go to first grade. He just understood when God spoke. And he understood the meaning of the words, what the garden was, what he was to do with caretaking. He understood all of that because God had placed in him the ability to understand the communication. And God is communicating, and because we have that recorded in writing, because God gives that to Moses, then we have a record of what was said all the way back to that point. And people were able to understand scribbles on paper, shapes of letters, and understand that those form words, those words form thoughts, those relate to some object, to some person, to something in the universe around them. God created the ability to communicate, to understand communication, and he is communicating. And he is communicating in thoughts, in words, spoken and written. And human beings have the ability to take that in, to do something with it, to understand what God is trying to say. It is a remarkable thing to consider that God has given his word and by his word, all of this that we know has come to be. And we can speak words. It, you can tell your cat to come here. Most of them don't. You can speak your words and you see some things happen sometimes, but often not. But God speaks. 
And his word does not return to him without accomplishing what he wants it to do. He is God. And the, the amazing communication thing is just remarkable. So here it is. Communication, Genesis two fifteen to 17. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the fruit tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Okay, this is a freshly made dude. Shows up. And he's supposed to understand from God the concept of tree. Now, as a newborn, you understood trees, right? In the garden, you've got to understand that. And you have to understand that there's, there is a freedom to take part in this when he says you may eat freely. And you've got to know something about, well, as a physical being on this planet, I need to eat. Where does he get that concept? And to know that he can do so freely at his own, by his own choice, his decision. He gets to decide Burger King or McDonald's. He gets to decide which thing he's going to eat when and where. But don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's good and evil. Got to understand that there's some kind of thing going on here. Concept of moral goodness and darkness. Where does he get things like that? And that tree. You've got to know where that tree is because you don't want to eat from that tree. Because then you die. Where does he get that concept? This is a new guy, newly minted. And he is understanding these concepts, these ideas, the, this broader uh, world around him. Not just himself, not just I need to eat and scream and holler and be changed like babies. He knows, and God knows he knows, because he made him to know, and he's done that with us. He's put those abilities into us, and so he has continued to communicate. We live in a place, in a world, made by God's word. He spoke it, it came, and we live. And there are issues as a result of the violation of this very thing. And we don't know that this is the very thing, first thing that God spoke it's the first thing we have written, recorded, because God may have said, hey, Adam, how you doing? To start off. We don't, we don't know that. But he's given him communication. He is communicating to a human being, and that's the divine sovereign communicating with a physical human being on the earth. That's the beginning. So we have word that created all things, words that are directing human beings and, and life. And then we get into the Word, God's Word. And this is from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 40, verse 8. And he's reflecting on a number of things related to God and his greatness in chapter 40. And this is included in that list of things. And he says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but, but the Word of our God stands forever. So, that's pretty impressive. Because there are lots of things that come and go. We know, at least seasonally, that the flowers come and go and the 
grass greens up in the spring and it turns brown in the fall and we watch that cycle and he's pointing out that is the cycle of life for all things uh, the grass withers the flower fades he's trying to say this is this is short term for all of us but what isn't short term is the word of god that will last forever the things that he has said when he spoke it into existence he said, this is the beginning, this is the thing, until I say otherwise. And here's my word, which is his promise, his communication, his instruction, the things that he is saying to us as human beings, that will never fade. That never goes away. It's not just here for time and then gone. This continues forever. So does that matter to us? And in light of the world we live in, don't these things just change? You know, isn't it just, you know, so God said that, but really, it's more about how I feel. And, and it's my, my feelings about that. Yeah, you just look around. You know, we need to be contemporary and relevant and modern. And so we need to understand, and, and you know, this was written so long ago, it really has nothing to do with us today. And God says, yeah. The grass withers, the flower fades. And it does. What's he talking about? You know that culture? That being modern, contemporary thing? They thought that 2,000 years ago, too. That was contemporary and modern for them. Some of them tried to boot the Lord out out of the picture. Ignore his word. And go about their business any way they wanted. Does his word last forever? Yeah. So thousands of years later, here we are. His word is still solid. His promises are still true. He's still accomplishing what is relevant and matters. And it will reach to the darkest corners of this planet, to the darkest corners of our hearts. And it is the thing that we need most. But God is communicating. His word stands. It lasts forever. Much of what we experience or think and the thoughts and the words that we think are so important, we really need to straighten people out on, are like the grass that withers and the flower that fades. But his word, his word lasts forever. So here we have a word that he's given to Adam in the beginning. And Adam and Eve, as the conversation includes her, and those conversations in the earliest chapters of the book still stand. They are the explanation for the situation that we find ourselves in. All written, the very beginning, communication from God, His Word. Oh, God speaks. Jeremiah 10.5. I really like this one. There should be a cool picture up there, like Baal. Yeah, you want to carry that guy around. Here the prophet Jeremiah says, Their gods are like helpless scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak and they need to be carried because they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of such gods, for they can neither harm you nor do you any good. So what's that tell us about the one true and living God? He can speak and he can move and he's powerful. He can do whatever he chooses. 
But the gods that people look to, they can't do that. They can't move. They can't. They don't speak. There's no reason to be concerned about them. And yet people are all the time listening to all these other things. And, and, and among our fellow believers who believe in, in the written word of God, they do not think God speaks. They really don't think he does much these days because we're modern and relevant and this is more connected to who we are today in our modern times and we're contemporary and we don't buy into that kind of stuff. But the prophet Jeremiah says, their gods are helpless, scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. So do we have contemporary Christians who say God cannot speak? He can only write something down and you do your best to figure that out. And that's his communication. Or is he still the God who is not like a scarecrow in a cucumber field who can speak, who can move, who can accomplish great things, and he still is saying something to his people. He is still saying something to his people. Yep, I think he is. So he's communicating in a variety of ways, still communicating like he did with Adam. Now He's not doing that everywhere, but his communication's on everywhere. It's sometimes our ability to receive. So... What else? Well, we have the written word, so we need to look at that as well because he is he's putting together some things that we need to know that help us to understand uh, life, understand him, understand the elements of uh, the fullness of life. So God's book. So we look at that in Second Timothy 3.16. This is God's book. All scripture is inspired by God. And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. All scripture is inspired by God. And the idea is that God has breathed this. He has spoken this word and it has come out of his mouth and is now out. Just like the creative word that he spoke at the beginning that made everything in this universe come into place and he spoke and it's made he spoke and he created he spoke and the atoms jumped into place aligned themselves the dna was placed into the material inanimate material and it made it alive he changed everything in a word he knew exactly where that was going and what it was saying and how powerful it was and he spoke it and here we have this in the written word, all scripture, inspired by God. God breathed, it came out, the words, the powerful words laid out in such a way that they now align and they change people's minds and hearts and lives. And when we engage with God's word, when we listen to his word, when we read those words and we allow them to penetrate us and we begin to study them and memorize them to meditate on those words and let them work their way into our lives, things begin to realign. Things begin to change. He begins to put things right that are wrong. He begins to make us aware of things that are wrong in our lives and in the world around us, helping us to understand the, the flow of history 
and the progress of today and where we're going in the future. He is putting all of those things together. It's available in the word that he spoke, which is an amazing, amazing array of words to to think of the power of one scripture in a person's life, it can, it can just stand out. It can be emblazoned. They can sleep at night and this thing's just rattling around. And, and it can begin to re-channel how they're dealing with other people. It can, deal, it can work its way through so that in, a, in, in ways that we would be so limited apart from it, we now know we've heard from God on this issue and now we know to take a step to move in the right direction and with that we have we have god uh in, in god's inspiration god's power god's uh direction and so all scriptures inspired by god useful to teach us to teach us what's true and knowing what's true is so helpful most of the things that we gather that we listen to or, or sometimes really build our lives on are things that aren't necessarily true. They're just maybe something that's going on in our lives at that moment. If we hear certain information over and over and over again and we get it from comic books or from the news channel or wherever we get it, after a while we begin, wow, that's that's how it is. That's the truth then later you find out eh, maybe not did you know that people for centuries have eaten eggs and been pretty healthy i have this uncle who ate two eggs bacon biscuits and gravy until he was like a month shy of a hundred and smoked most of the time Went squirrel hunting up till almost the last day without glasses. But, you know, during the 60s, remember that? Don't be eating eggs. Don't be eating real butter either. Let's eat the margarine, the stuff we made up to fatten up hogs that's made out of chemicals, because that doesn't have that in there. Let's give you some sweetener that will rot your guts, but it's not made out of real sugar that comes from the plants that God has created. Let's do that. And let's see how many people went, but that's the truth. So now we got to stop. we got to stop eating those. Then the scientists realized that wasn't necessarily the case, so they kind of changed their minds on some of those things. And you go, wow, here we are moving in a new direction. Eggs are okay. You can drink coffee now because it will help with colon cancer. Help avoid colon cancer, not help create colon cancer. That should give you some relief, Martha. So, we have truth that we think is truth. And then the gossip that we hear, the things we hear from other people, and we just, well, that's got to be the truth. Uh, maybe. Where's true truth? That's a Francis Schaeffer term. True truth. Where do we find that? Because that's the one that's going to make a difference in our lives. And that's what God's word provides for us, is a way to live, a way of understanding the world around us, a way of understanding how we can interact with other people, where God is taking us, because his word is forever, which means that will be good when we get to his place. 
When we get to the Father's house, that's forever. All of this other truth that we think is so valuable is just like the grass that withers and the flower that fades, and it'll be gone. But God's truth continues. His reality continues. The things that he's told us will continue. And if you realize when you read through the scriptures how often you come across something when you're younger and you read it, and you go, oh, yeah, that really helps. I get it. And you read it 10 years later and you go, whoa, I didn't know that was that much in there. 20 years later, it explodes with meaning and more information and more truth. It's the same verse. How can have you read Huckleberry Finn and you said, man, I hadn't read that in 10 years. Wow, look at that. Now the Mississippi River makes sense. No, it's the Word of God that lasts forever, filled with meaning, filled with truth, that is something in our particular culture, is something that's run down because if we can get rid of the Bible, if we can get rid of what God says, if we can get rid of what truth is, true truth is then we are free to come up with whatever we want and we don't want to hear from god that there's an absolute truth now let me let me shift a little bit and pick on our culture one of the things in in u.s culture currently is i can replace because philosophically people are there is no absolute truth except they come back around And if you want absolutes, it is science. You want the answer? Science. And just in the last year of the pandemic, I want you to pull up any random group of three, four, five scientists and see how many of them agree. Because absolute truth would get you on the same track, right? It doesn't take long to find out. They don't agree. They're all over the place. So how can absolute truth, in fact, that's the direction our nation is going, and we're going to set up a whole science elite that will guide us because that's the truth. And it's somebody's truth. Truth, not not true truth, just something being presented. But God has spoken. He spoke in the past. He spoke at the beginning. He spoke and created it all, and he said, now I've got something for you, truth. I'm going to write it down, have it written down, so that you have something to guide you in your life, so you can understand how this works, how how people relate to me, who you are as a person, how you were made, how you were designed, and what you were designed for, and then what your future looks like. And he's put all of that in this incredible book, a collection of 66 individual books, collected into one volume we call the Bible, written over a period of 1,600 years by 40 different authors on three different continents. And he said, here, all these guys have written on the same theme, relationship with God. How do you connect? How has God worked? They're all saying the same thing. Take any other group of books, the ancient Greeks, who wrote some pretty cool stuff. We plays and movies about it, and their books are still read in school. And they did that in about 400 B.C., most of those. 
Romans and a little before the first century began and into the up to the second century, we have some of their writings that are powerful stories, dramas. Are they all in agreement? No. Did the Greeks keep telling the same story over 1,600 years? No. What book on earth has had any stretch of time like that where this topic is addressed in agreement with here is the one true and living God who is making himself known to people on this planet that he created with a word? And he's giving us his word so that we can know the truth. That's him. He's revealing himself. He is not only teaching us uh, what is true, but to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. We can read the scriptures and the Holy Spirit comes along with that and says, yep, this is going the wrong way. You shouldn't speak like that. You should be loving. You should care about other people. You should stop lying, killing the things that that come up and you go, okay, yeah, I need to rearrange my life or the way I was thinking about life, my ambitions, my goals, my direction. He says, I've got something to help you. Let me give you the truth and then let me help you stay in line with that. So I'm going to show you what's wrong, where you're off, where you're off the track. And then it does this. It corrects us when we're wrong. So we get back to the scriptures and it goes, not only am I going to help you realize you're off, I'm going to get you back on track. And then I'm going to help you by training you so that you stay on track and you keep on moving. So you can keep living life to the fullest the way I've designed it. And I've given you my word, which is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It will penetrate between your soul and your spirit. And it will move the things that need to be moved. It will cut out what needs to be cut out. And it will direct you in the way you need to be directed. I'm going to give you my word that is inspired. I have breathed it out. And it is powerful. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. And that's that training that goes on. And that's an ongoing, practicing implementing all of the things that God has given us. And he expects that we'll probably get off track again, or at least find a new thing to get off track on, because we're good at that. Which is why we stay in the Word, we keep reading the written Word, and he says, I'll point out to you again where you're wrong. But how many people like to be have that pointed out? How many people are like, boy, you know when I get up in the morning, what I want to find out is, Lord, where I'm wrong. Nope, I want to assume that I'm right, and I've been right all along. Now, those other people, they need to hear about how wrong they are. But on being right, no, I'm right. But the Word is made to help us know the truth, to discover where we're wrong, to allow God to point that out, for us to be open enough to allow him to point that out, to get back on track, and then to practice it and keep practicing it and keep practicing it because that's what he's trying to get us to do so that we can live this thing out. So he's given us his word, and the Bible is a sign that God is with us, that God is at work, that God has not changed, that God did this in the beginning, he is continuing to the end. So... 
He gives us a blessing. Here's some blessings. This is found in Revelation. So he started with Genesis. We talked about that, chapter 1. Now we're moving to Genesis or Revelation, chapter 22. So now we're at the end of the book, unless you include the uh, references in the maps, but we're not doing that part. So Revelation, chapter 22, Jesus says, Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I'm coming soon. And he has something for us. He wants to bring blessings to us. He wants to bring more to us than we can imagine because the blessings we may think up in our heads are nothing like how rich and full and incredible the ones are that he wants to bring. And he says, I'm coming. If you're reading this book, and he's not talking about the whole Bible. He's, this is specifically to the book of Revelation. But if we go with you know, a wider view of that, uh, we could spread it to the whole and say all 66 books. Obey the words of this, this book. Ah, oh, the blessings will come. Because he wants to bring them. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know the reality, the truth. And he wants us to live that fully in us and to recognize when we're wrong because he assumes we're going to get it wrong at times, and we do and will. But then he wants to correct us, get us back on track, and encourages us to keep practicing, training, getting better at it. So we go back to the Word, and we learn some more, and we keep on going. He's communicated, and the Bible that he's given us the written word, the scrolls that have been found and all of the aspects of how the word was translated and we have it in English and a number of translations. We can carry it on our phone and an app. It's amazing what has happened. But it is God who's given the word that has continued to this day and is going to be around forever. And we have access to it in so many ways and just having it, the written word of God, just having that is a sign of God, of his personality, his presence, and his power. And we are blessed. We are blessed to have access to all of that. The Bible is a sign of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being so understanding, re- realizing our need to have something we can hold and read and read again and read again. And thank you for the, the word. Thank you for communicating at all. You've communicated to us. You've, you've built into us the ability to, to communicate, to receive communication. Uh, I pray that we would more and more appreciate what you've done in the scriptures, how you put that all together, the truth that is there, the guidance that is there. Lord, that we would be open to being corrected and to going your way, to live fully the life that you've given us, that we might obey all that you've written in this book and live the life, the true life that you have made possible for people on this planet to live because of what you've done, what you've written. Thank you for that. Thank you for the sign of the Bible, the sign that you are and that you love us. For God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son. Thank you for that. In his name we pray. Amen.